Hi, it's Rebecca Whitman, your host of the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant Show. I'm a top-rated life coach, an international best-selling author, and a multi-passionate entrepreneur. I'm on a mission to help you go from burned out to balanced, beautiful, and abundant. The experts on this show will help you achieve work-life balance so that you can experience abundance in seven pillars of life, spirituality, health, emotions, romance, mindset, social, and financial life. When you have all seven pillars of life in alignment, you are balanced, beautiful, and abundant. Let's go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant show. I am your host, Rebecca Whitman. We are taking you from burned out to balanced, beautiful, and abundant. Today, we have a wonderful guest. Her name is Kelly Collins. She goes by CK as an author, but as she was saying when the show came on, she's been Kelly her whole life, and she will be Kelly on this interview. So, Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, I think I throw people off with my pen name, but <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Thank it's okay. You it's great to have you here. And I can't wait to tell my audience a little bit about your interesting background and we'll get way more into this story. Kelly is the author of The Swipe Right Effect, The Power to Get Unstuck. It's the perfect guide for anyone who wants to find their way back to happiness, empowerment, and joy. Kelly was an award-winning publisher and owner of Hyperlocal News, a Hyperlocal News Publishing Company. She sold her company and retired from that industry in 2021. Kelly embarked on a two-year sabbatical to write her book and workbook. Her travels include Utah, Grand Canyon, Buenos Aires, Patagonia, Portugal, Spain, she sailed from LA to Mexico. She did hikes on such famous trails as the Camino de Santiago and the Appalachian Trail. So Kelly, you have an amazing story. Tell us, how did you get to be doing the work that you're doing and what made you want to go on such adventurous travels and just, yeah, tell us your, your origin story. I can't wait to hear it. Well. Um... I, and in 2017, I had a very big change in my life. It was really a trifecta of change. Um, my youngest child graduated from college, so it was full-on empty nester. My 31-year marriage ended, and I sold the business. I decided to sell the business right then. And because of the divorce, it just seemed like the best thing to do for many reasons. And... Um, so I, I did sell the business and I stayed for three years and ran the company for them. And then I retired in October of 2021. And I really just needed to hit the restart button and figure out who I wanted to be. And so I hired a life coach and I traveled for a year and I had her keep me on track to kind of figure out my what's next. And I started writing. And uh, about the time the year was over, uh, September of 22, I sat down and wrote the book in three months. And I'd really been working on it in my head the whole time. And, um, and then next week, the workbook that goes with the book is being released. So this is great timing. I love it. So what does the swipe right effect mean? 
So in the dating apps, as many people know, when you swipe right, you're choosing someone. And um, I've done a little bit of that dating thing. But uh, what I want women to do, really anybody, is to swipe right for yourself first, to choose Mm -hmm. yourself. Yeah. And the effect of that is you take back your power. You learn uh, to love yourself. You learn what you want. You create a vision for yourself. You invest your time, money, all your resources in yourself first. And then the effect of that is you have a happy life and you're you're going to attract a much better partner um, when you already love yourself and you're not looking for that validation in someone else. I can relate. I mean, I only had a three-year marriage, but I also got divorced in 2017 and my dad also died uh, the same week my divorce was final. My dad was died. So I had a lot of changes and I re- reinvented myself. So what would you tell women who feel like they're at an impasse and they don't know how to reinvent their lives and restart like you did when you left your publishing company and left Tennessee and you made so many major life changes in 2021. What gave you the impetus and the courage to do that? Well, the first time I really did solo travel was 2018. So it was the end of 2017. I I made the decision to divorce. And I also made the decision to hike the Camino de Santiago, which is a 500 mile spiritual hike in Spain. And that really it was a huge risk. It was an investment of seven weeks in myself, leaving my company, leaving my home and my family. And, you know, it, it taught me the, you know, to put myself first. And I think women, I mean, a lot of people do it, but especially women, we take care of everyone else and we don't take care of ourselves. And so um, that was my first real investment in myself. And when I came back, I, I kind of, I had a real good start on where I wanted to go with my life. And I had a three-year runway when I sold the business. I was employed for three years and I was able to, you know, kind of really spend time thinking about that, you know, spend time with my coach. And um, it was, it was a, it was a really good experience. So I think not everybody can go 500 miles uh, and go to Spain and hike and all that, but you can invest in yourself and find ways to do that. It's just go inward. You know, there's, there's so many simple ways you can start to do that. Just, you know, with little mantras, you know, I think when I started meditating, I really couldn't, my mind was in such a bad place and my life was going and it was in turmoil and I was going through so much change. I just had to learn to just say, I am enough. And just sit with myself and say that over and over. And that led me to being able to meditate. And that led me to guided meditations. And now I create guided meditations. So, um, but I think investing in yourself is, is really, really important. Did you go, did you complete the whole 500 miles by yourself? I did. Yes. I met a lot of people along the way, but, and, you know, I, I walked and, I met people from all over the world and, but yeah, I did the 500 miles in six weeks and, Mm -hmm. uh, and then had a stayed for another five days to kind of regroup and figure out 
you know, how I was going to handle going home because I was going home to a lot of things. <laughs> so did, how many hours a day did you walk? Um, it just, it depends on how far some, you know, the least amount I walked in a day was eight miles and the most I walked was 21 miles. So it really depended on, on how far I was going. And like that eight mile day was a very, very difficult day because it was straight up. And so that's why it was only eight miles. Cause there was, you know, it was a, it was a very tough terrain, but yeah. So anywhere from like five hours to eight hours, just really Hopefully you hopefully don't do more than that. <laughs> Were you score the whole time? Like just popping Advil and stretching? Like that's what I would be. I'd be so sore. <laughs> I did sore? yoga daily for yeah, for sure. I had to stretch out my back and my shoulders from kick because I was carrying a 20-pound pack oh my um, the whole time. And but yeah, so it was very important to put self-care first above all. And you do rest, you walk for a few hours and stop for coffee or breakfast and then walk for some more, you know, three hours and then stop for lunch. And so you definitely have rest. And that's when you talk to the other pilgrims. Um, and you, you know, I learned so much from people and hearing their stories and receiving encouragement from them. And it was, it's really a, a quite a beautiful experience. So give me, I'm sure a lot of this is in your book and in your workbook, but give me like one or two of the most interesting conversations or spiritual lessons that you gained during that beautiful 500 mile hike and experience. One thing I, I learned I'm using now as a coach, like it's, it's probably the most important thing that a coach can do. And that's learning to make space for someone. Um, I had never heard that term before, and I'm walking with a gentleman from Australia who became a very dear friend of mine. And, and he was saying, and now I just said, thank you for listening. And he said, we all make space for each other on this trail. And I said, what do you mean by make space? And, and he said, you know, listening without inserting yourself into the story and, you know, with, which I realized immediately when he said that I had, I do that. I had done that my whole life. Like, oh, I feel that way too. Oh, that happened to me too. I completely understand how you feel, you know, and, and it's instinctual to want to try to make somebody feel better. But what I find people really need is just that space where they can tell their story and share their pain or share their joy. Um, but I think that learning to make space for someone was a big life lesson. It made me a better boss. It made me a better mother, made me a better partner, made me a better friend, daughter, sister, learning to listen. I think active listening is such a great life skill and it's not something that we learn in school. And I think (laughs) if we all just listened more and asked more questions, the quality of all our relationships, business, romantic, and personal would be a lot better. So then you also hike the Appalachian Trail, which is a whole different experience with different types of people. So where did that trail start and end? So I've just done portions of it. I've done along the North Carolina, Tennessee line. Um, I've done um, the New Hampshire uh, stretch in the White Mountains. And um, I did a portion in Georgia as well. And so just kind of piecemealing that together. And I don't have any intention of doing the whole thing and 
you know, being a through hiker, but I do enjoy experiencing all of the different states and the different mountains. And I think it's just a fun goal to find different parts of the AT and go hike it. (laughs) Going to New Hampshire again um, in just a few weeks, early October. To hike it again? Yeah, my best friend's going to go with me this time. So, oh, that's great. So, are the people a lot different in Europe on the Camino Trail versus the Appalachian Trail in America? It's mostly Americans on, you know, the AT, uh, but uh, in in Spain on the Camino, it's people from all over the world, and uh, really the United States and Australia both are like fourteen percent each, and there's a big portion of the Spanish and Portuguese population that walk it. But I met people from Germany, South Africa, Canada, England. I mean, Netherlands, Sweden, uh, just people from all over. And I, and I interview several of them. They're in my book. (laughs) So great. Now the Appalachian trail, are there like as many coffee shops and places to stop or is it more rustic? No, no, it's total backcountry. It's very rustic. There's, it's, yeah, that's what's so great about the Camino is there's support services. So Mm -hmm. you're not having to care. You stay in hostels. You don't have to carry a tent. You can get away with a very small sleeping bag because you're sleeping in bunks and, and the, the support services, the medical services, everything's really so set up for the pilgrims because it's a big part of the economy, um, for Spain and Portugal. I've done Spanish and the Portuguese. Caminos. So, but it really does help the economy there. And so they take great care of the pilgrims. I got sick and had to go to the hospital to get antibiotics and I never even got a bill from them. Like it's, it's pretty amazing. That is amazing. So what did you have to quit in order to heal? I quit several things. Um, I, I quit the um, doubting myself. Um, when my marriage ended, um, a lot of tough things came out there. There was, um, an extramarital affair and it had been going on a long time. And I had really been, I knew something was wrong and I had been fighting for my marriage, but I was being gaslit basically. Mm. And so I really started doubting my intuition. I started doubting the belief in myself and, Um, so I had to quit doing that to go forward into my life. I had to learn to trust my intuition again. And I, I believe women's intuition is so valuable, so important and absolutely essential, especially for single women. We need to be able to trust ourselves. Is that why the marriage dissolved due to infidelity or were there a variety of reasons? Um, I think. You know, we've been married a long time. And so I think there was a variety of reasons that caused what happened. Um, But it was, it definitely was the infidelity. It just had gone on a very long time. And, you know, that whole that time I was fighting for my marriage. So I I knew I needed a fresh start. I knew I needed a new life. Yeah. Well, it takes so much courage to leave a 31-year-old marriage. And not only did you leave it, you went on this, you know, worldwide tour and met all these people and wrote a book. I mean, I think pilgrim is a great word because you, you were definitely on a pilgrimage. Um, what were you seeking when you just went off on this adventure? What were you pilgriming toward? I think I was, I was looking to learn how to forgive. Um, Mm -hmm. and 
yes, to try to forgive my husband, but also myself, because Mm. that was much harder. And sometimes I still wonder, have I truly forgiven myself? But it is really important to kind of take a look deep down and see, you know, I, I kept asking myself, why did I stay when I felt unloved? Why did I fight so hard for something when he wasn't fighting for it? You know, why did I start, why did I start doubting my own intuition? Why didn't I look harder to try to see what he was doing? You know, and, and I just was really, I'm a very strong woman. I'm an intelligent woman. I'm a brave woman. Why did I let that happen to me? You know, and that's, that's the conversation I was having in my head. And I really had to learn to just look at, just kind of almost draw this line in the sand and say, old Kelly, new Kelly. And, and new Kelly looks at old Kelly in the mirror and says, I love you. I forgive you. You deserve to be happy, you know, and I'm going to forgive you and you can go away now (laughs) because new Kelly has some fun to be had. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yes. I, I agree. Life is supposed to be fun. So how did you find out about the affair and how long did it go on, you know, before you finally decided to leave the marriage? Um, he ended up confessing, um, one night and I pushed hard just saying, I don't, I don't understand, you know, why this, I don't, I just don't understand why you don't look at me like you love me anymore. Like Mm. what's going on. And, and it was several years. It was, it was six years. And, um, in the meantime, I was, you know, started a company, ran a company, Um, got the kids through college and all of these things, you know, good, normal life, hard things that were going on. And um, yeah, so I, you know, I do look at my part in what was wrong with, with the marriage. I don't blame it all on him. I think it's very healthy to accept my own responsibility, but it, it was the infidelity and the length of it which you can imagine in that amount of time, how many lies were told. How long, uh, how long was the infidelity happening over how many years? Six years. Yeah. That is. And is he with her today? Yes. Wow. Yeah. That is, that is really tough. So now your kids are having to have a relationship with her and wow, that is that, (laughs) you know, so is everybody healing? Like how are the kids doing? Yeah. They're, um, they're great. They're good. They're really good people and they love their dad. And that's the most important thing. He loves them. He's a good dad. That is, it's so important to co-parent because I'm actually married to someone who has three kids. And I think uh, having a good relationship for co-parenting is just better for everyone. So especially the kids, which is the most important. Um, So what what is that feeling that so many women have? Like I'm meant for more, there's something missing in my life. Like what does that feeling mean to you and how can women really lean into that feeling and take action? So when I was doing the book, you know, the book tour, the book signings, the book clubs, the book discussions and leading workshops. And I kept seeing this, thing I hadn't noticed before. And of course, I'm around a lot of women because they're primarily the readers of the book. And a a lot of them were saying, I just, I feel like something's missing, whether they were married, whether they were single, 
Um, it does seem to come around 45 and up. And I, I think that the, everybody says it with this worried look on their face. Like, I just, I don't know, like that I've raised the kids, I've had my career and now I just don't, I feel like there should be something more. And I, I started just kind of digging and researching and what I believe and what I'm, I'm trying to get women to understand is that is actually a good thing that it's your soul, your heart, mind, body, and soul aligning saying, yes, there's more. And it's a, it's a sacred call. There's a call within your heart and your, and your soul saying you have more, let's go get it. There's more for you. You can do more. And I think if you start with the mindset of what is my legacy going to be and work backwards, yeah. you know, what, what is my just thinking? I want to have a legacy. I'm everything I am that I've experienced that I've learned and that I've done goes with me when I die, unless I find a way to leave a legacy and leave what I've learned because every single person has something to offer the world. And I think as women, we're very caught up in what is going on with the rest of the world and our kids and soccer practice and, you know, working out, trying to stay in shape and all of that. But we don't think about what is my life purpose? Why am I here? What, why am I on this earth? And what am I supposed to help the, you know, how can I leave the world a better place? And so I created a, um, a six month program where we walk through the steps of figuring out that. And, um, and I, and we, I also created a retreat, a visioning retreat where women can come in and spend the weekend here in Rhode Island. Um, it's a beautiful old farmhouse and we're going to do that in November, November 2nd through 5th, but it's really about learning self-care, you know, through meditation and mindfulness and motion and um, and then also we'll do a whole day of visioning exercises, kind of learning what do I need to let go because it's not serving me anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, celebrate the great things that you've done with your life and then really focus on you and what's next and how, how do you want to spend the next, you know, 30 to 50 years. And so I'm really excited about all of it. And the, the six month program launches October 3rd. So I, I've just been bubbling with excitement, <laughs> ready to go. That's exciting. You have a lot of great stuff going on. So how, how has the dating life been for you post-divorce? You were divorced, uh, it was finalized in 2017. So you've, you've been dating for six years. Uh, what's it been like? Well, the divorce wasn't final until 2019, but I, oh. I, I feel like I've had ups and downs like anybody who's dating, but I've really enjoyed the process and I, I've tried to keep a very, very good attitude about it because I think, you know, if you just look at it like this is a potential for a new friend and not put the pressure of this is a potential new husband and you just really go into it with the mindset of positivity and, you know, being willing to open and share, uh, about parts of your life and share your dreams and your visions for your life. Then, you know, I think that you'll attract the, the right type of person. You know, I've, I've had a few relationships that were longer term, um, but haven't quite found my person yet, but I, you know, it's, it's kind of 
I'm at the place now where I really don't want to do the dating apps. I'm looking for more organic connections. And I have an amazing group of girlfriends here in Rhode Island, my tribe. And, uh, you know, we have so much to do and life is good. So we just kind of, you know, trudge forward into the wilderness of dating. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's really important to keep a, a good attitude and be kind and passionate, you know, compassionate with everybody that crosses your path. And passionate. And passionate. <laughs> That's, that was a good Freudian slip. So <laughs> what are five things that a woman who is divorced can do to get ready for the dating life? Mm. Well, I think, first of all, I, you know, I mentioned earlier the meditation and the self-love mantra. Mm-hmm. I think it's that you need to be able to look in the mirror and say, I love you and you are enough. You are more than enough. Thank you, Sierra Bogus. I love that quote. You are so enough. <laughs> and yeah. I think that that's really, you know, that quote, you are so enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You are enough. You are so enough. Yeah. Who said that? Sierra Bogus. It's in my book. I, I just, um, I just love that. And love and it. my sister-in-law gave me a bracelet that said, I am enough on the day that I told her I was getting a divorce. And that bracelet was really important to me. And that daily, I never took it off. I wore it on the Camino. I wore it every day. And it was just like, I am enough. And when, you know, when I was having a bad moment, I would just close my eyes and say that mantra, I am enough. It's a great mantra. And I think that there's a lot of, um, you know, women that don't believe that about themselves and they've been beat down by society or a bad marriage or, you know, just hard things at work. And so it's, you need to say that for yourself, you know, and don't count on other people. Don't look for that alignment through other people. You, you want it to come, but you need to have it for yourself first. I think it's really important to, to, um, have a plan, you know, before you go on dates, like I, I recommend to women that they have a buddy, you know, if there's another single lady and you're both going on the dating apps and you're going out, always have somebody that knows where you're going and with who and what time and, and do a check-in when you get back home, you know, I, and and it's it actually ends up being kind of fun, like a little sharing dating story sharing. And um, but it's really important that if you live alone, that someone knows where you're at. And there's even a way um, on the phones to share your location with some, you know, with someone. So um, that's something to consider doing with someone that you really, really trust. Um, there's, I mean, there's there's a lot of things that you can do, but I I also think that. Um, forget that forgiveness and and don't go into a dating situation with a big old chip on your shoulder and hating on men or women, depending on who you are. And, and, you know, I think working through the forgiveness is, is an absolute essential before you put yourself out there. And um, I think having a vision for what you want with your life so that you can, um, guide yourself. Like that vision is your compass. You know, a lot of people do vision boards. I do vision stories. I like to write, uh, what my, what I want my future to be. And, um, and that also gives me something to visualize when I'm in meditation. And so that's, um, that's pretty cool. 
And I, I think that um, whether you're a writer, whether you're a photographer, whether you want to cut up pictures in magazines, you know, however you create that vision for yourself, that's more important than dating. You have to have uh, an idea of what you want your future to look like before you go out into the world or, you know, you end up attracting the wrong kind of people. (laughs) So I like the idea of writing out a vision story. Um, what is, what is that? How could someone who's listening to the podcast practice that? Well, I can tell you what I did. Um, I, I love to outline. So I kind of outlined the who, what, when, where, and, um, that's, you know, in a news story, which I was in the news publishing businesses, that's, you want to have those five things and sometimes why, <laughs> but definitely who, what, when, where. Um, and I just, I decided to write it like a fictional story. And, um, I just decided I was going to, I wanted to live in a coastal town and I wanted to be in new England, close to one of my, two of my daughters. I, I wanted to sail. And this is who I wanted to sail with. I wanted him to be someone who has a great relationship with his children. He's compassionate and kind. He likes nonprofit work. Um, maybe even a writer, you know, somebody who could share that passion with me. And um, it'd be cool if he's a sailor because I'm learning to sail. You know? right. and I- and from L.A. to Mexico, I think you have it down. <laughs> and well, that was somebody else was the captain. I was the cook, <laughs> but it was a crew of five. So we were all doing a lot of things. Yeah, it was great. Um, and I, you know, I think that, so just doing the outline of the who, what, when, where, and I don't think it's as, as important to do the why, but, um, if you think about, I think it's really important when you're visualizing to have that place, like my life coach said, picture that little house in New England. Is it a Cape Cod? Is it a one-story, a two-story? Is it is it pink? Is it red? Is it blue? Is it gray? You know, what does it look like? What are the what's the landscaping look like? And so I put all of that detail in my story. And I, you know, I wanted it to be less than a five-minute walk from a beach. And so that I could walk on the beach every single day and get my toes in the sand. And um and then what and then she said, well, how does it feel to be walking in the sand? And um, the wind is whipping through your hair and how does that feel? You know? And so she did a great job kind of guiding me and into that practice. And I still do it now. And, and the first one that I wrote, which was July of 22, almost everything has come true in that, in that story. And so, but I do believe in visualization. I believe in law of attraction, Um, and I was very purposeful about how I spent my time and the thoughts that I had around that vision board, my vision story. So how, how often do you rewrite it or how often do you reread that vision story? I took excerpts from it and put it on sticky notes and I would have the sticky notes all around my house. I had, I had the sticky note of the one statement of what I wanted in my life. I carried it around in my wallet. And I had, you know, how you have the, the clear phone cases. I would even have it on in the phone case facing out. So I would see it all the time. It was just really an intentional practice for me to want. I, I, I had been literally all over the world for a year. I needed to be able to visualize what it looked like settling down because mm-hmm. I wasn't going back home. I was going to a completely new place. So that was really important. <laughs> 
So you just wrote like little, little excerpts from the story and give us an example. Like what did it say in your phone case? Um, it's a, I want to have a, um, something, well, let's see, I should have brought that down. That would have been fun to read it. It's an example. So uh, we can- yeah, the, um, like I want to have a, a partner who we have reciprocal respect, love, and, um, compassion for each other. Um, we both have great relationships with our children and, um, we make a safe place in our little home by the ocean where they can come and laugh and be loved. Beautiful. Well, speaking of a safe place, my last question is, what are three ways we can find peace in our life? Because I think people are stressed. There's a lot going on in the news. There's a lot going on with just all the divisiveness in our country. And there's natural disasters. And there's crazy stuff happening in the world. And stress is the number one killer. The theme of this show is to be balanced, beautiful, and abundant. So that is, it's so important that we find peace. What are three tools that you can give us to find peace? I really think that, uh uh-oh. <laughs> Lost you there for a minute. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. Um, it just completely went out. <laughs> I, um, so peace. I, I think that being out in nature and Mm -hmm. really grounding yourself. Um, when I say I've wanted my toes in the sand every day, I, the toes, the, uh, and dirt or sand, anything, I think connecting to the earth and being in nature is, is the quickest way to peace because Mm -hmm. there is, um, if you can find a park or, um, I, I, I go walk at sunrise every morning and I have this beautiful wildlife refuge and there's little bambies running around and bunnies. And I mean, what could be more relaxing and peaceful than that? And yeah. I think if any, almost anywhere you live in the world, you can probably find a park and, and find that and ground yourself to the earth. Um, again, I know this is a theme here, but meditation is, um, a very, very much a, a peace providing um, act. And I think even if it's just a breathing meditation, you know, taking the time to do your breath work, you know, box breathing, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. I think um, breathing and meditation are um, really impactful in in my clients' lives. And that's where we start. I start with that in my workbook is we're going to learn the five breath works. We're going to breathe in five, hold it, breathe out for five. And so um, just really connecting and centering yourself is, um, and that's how I've had success doing it and my clients as well. And I, and I think that peace also comes from relationships and, you know, investing your time in people who reciprocate the, the love that you're giving And so, especially if you live away from family or your children have moved away, I think being intentional with your relationships can, can also provide peace. Like the, you know, that they're there, you know, that they know you love them and, um, and you can feel that back. I mean, that's, that's a a beautiful way to experience the, the calmness, the surety of, of peace. 
Beautiful. How can we be more intentional with our relationship? Mm. It's like, what are some of the things you do? Well, my love language is, is quality time. <laughs> so I gather with my tribe, my, these ladies who support me so well, we, we meet every morning and oh. we know that we're waiting on each other there. And so, Indeed. yeah, we meet at, you know, right now it's like six o'clock in the morning and sun rises at six fifteen, and we walk the 10 minutes down to the beach, watch the sunrise and, and, and we share our lives with each other. And how did yeah. you meet them? Um, there's a kind of a, a social club of people here and they, it's really cool. They gather together to go to the different nonprofit fundraisers. And mm-hmm. so you're supporting the community, you're meeting new people. And I moved here on August 31st. And by September 3rd, I was at the first fundraiser for um, the Martin Luther King Center here in Newport. and I met probably 30 women that day. And the next day I was walking with one of them at 545 in the morning. <laughs> so it helps to be a morning person with other people being a morning person. So that's great. How long have you been walking at 545 in the morning to see the sunrise with these women? Um, About a year, almost a year. Yeah, That's incredible. Yeah, they're awesome. And they're, you know, they're really supporting my retreat. Some of them are coming and helping me cook and serve the women. And, um, you know, they're, they're supporting that. Some of them are actually attending. Some of them are, have offered to bring desserts. You know, it's just, it's really sweet. I've, I'm very, very blessed with the community here. I think community builds immunity and mm-hmm. unity against life's ups and downs. And one of the things that we lost during COVID was everybody was, you know, quarantined and we couldn't have community. And now that the world has opened back up, it's just, oh, it's, there's nothing like just like a real hug and a real, <laughs> there's an energy exchange. Like we're having an amazing conversation on Zoom, but when you're with someone in person, there's just a whole different level of energy exchange and it's just way more intimate. Yeah, that's so funny. You're saying energy exchange. I just was writing about that in my newsletter today because that's why I want to have the retreat. I mean, my the six month program is five months of it are virtual. And then we have this retreat where we all gather. And I think that women especially thrive and and build on that energy. It doesn't it's not even just to share. It's almost like it just goes up and we're all lifted all what is the sailing term? Like all boats rise with the tide. I mean, yes, I think all, I tide all rise with the exchange of energy. High <laughs> so. tide raises all ships for sure. And uh, I go to a lot of personal growth events and whenever possible, I like to go in person because I just, it just, I feel it changes you on a cellular level when you're around other high vibe, spiritual, awesome people. So I'm so happy that you found this group of women to walk with every morning. That should be a book too. Like I want to know like about the stories and conversations and the different lives of the women that you walk with every morning to the beach. That that would be a great book. I would definitely read that. Um, so how can how can people find your book, The Swipe Right Effect? How can people find you online and learn more about what you do? The Swipe Right Effect is available on Amazon, and next week the Swipe Right Effect workbook comes out. So they they go together, and right. uh, there was a lot of requests from people like, I, I don't want to write in my book. You need a workbook. So I I got to work and did that too. 
Um, so that, yeah, those are available on Amazon. Um, my website is ckcollins.co and you can get more information there about the, the momentum effect program and the retreat. And you can do one or both. You can do one or the other. Um, you don't have to do both, but yeah, the retreat is November 2nd through 5th. And so I'm, I'm really excited. It's in, you know, beautiful new England in the fall. What could be better. Oh my God, with the leaves turning, that is absolutely beautiful. Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening. We love our listeners. We're so excited. We just got rated top 1.5% globally in self-help. And it's because you wonderful listeners are sharing this podcast. So you can quickly copy the link and share this episode with a friend, whether you're listening on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Audible, Or if you want to take a screenshot, you can tag me on Instagram at Rebecca E. Whitman. I'll give you a shout out on my stories. If you could take 30 seconds out of your day and give us a five-star review and subscribe, it would just mean everything to me. And thank you so much for being on the show, Kelly. You're amazing. I love listening to your adventures. You have such an adventurous life and I am excited to just see what happens next for your life and watch it unfold. So we'll definitely stay in touch and I'm excited to be on your show, The Swipe Right Effect. Yeah. I can't wait to have you on. It'll be fun. Yeah. So everybody, thank you for listening to the Balanced, Beautiful and Abundant podcast. I am your host, Rebecca Whitman, helping you go from burned out to balanced, beautiful and abundant. And until we meet again, keep your vibe high and magnetize. Hey guys, if you're struggling with online dating and just sick and tired of swiping right, if you're just not meeting the right people, or maybe you're lonely and dreading going through another holiday season single, then I have great news. I am opening my Manifest Your Soulmate eight-week class for enrollment so you can find your life partner before the holidays. Just go to the link tree link in the show notes to schedule your Manifest Love call to learn more, and I can't wait to learn more about how I can help you find your true love for once and for all. If I can do it, I know I can help you.